0: Welcome everyone. You are listening to the I Am A Sparching Podcast with your host Scott Knowles. Enjoy the show. It will probably suck.
1: Scott the Fane Knowles, and you're listening to another episode of I'm a Spartan OCR Podcast. On this episode, I had the pleasure of talking to Alex Sawicki. We go over Ultra Prep. Not only that, we talk about next weekend's race at Killington. There's a lot of good tips and strategy in here. It's a great episode if you plan on doing an Ultra, and especially if you plan on doing the Killington Ultra next week. Hope you enjoy it. Here it goes. Hello, what is up, Alex Sawicki? How are you doing today?
0: Um, you know what, I can't complain. It's a little bit hot out, but other than that, I really can't complain.
1: That's no joke, it is hot out. I went and ran six miles earlier, and it was pretty daggum hot.
0: Yeah, I did the same thing, and it was not the greatest. I actually had a guy pull over and hand me a water bottle, so... Hey. um,
1: See, No women have ever pulled over and handled me, handed me a bottle of water, I don't know. Well,
0: well that's unfortunate. Maybe it's the beard. Maybe they're
1: intimidated by it. <laughs> it could possibly be that. So, Alex, before we get into this ultra conversation, uh why don't you tell us a little bit about your background and like what you do for a living, how you got into OCR, what kind of drugs you're pushing these days, you know? <laughs> People wanna know that. All
0: right. I'll give you I'll give you it all. All right, well, my name is Alex Sawicki, as you said. Um, I was born and raised in the lovely city of Philadelphia. Um, I say lovely very sarcastically. (laughs) Uh, So I got into OCR about seven years. Actually, it is seven years ago. Um, I was in college. I was a college soccer player, unfortunately had a problem with concussions and ended up leaving the team. So I kind of had to find somewhere else to expend all of that athletic energy. And I got into running, got into trail running. And then my friend Brandy's mom sent us a link to the uh, Spartan volunteer page and was like, Hey, if you volunteer your race for free and you know, as a college student, that's great because oh, it's yeah. free. Get to do something. Um, so we went up to Palmerton. I volunteered ran the race it was like the longest hottest most miserable day (laughs) of my life and loved it so that was how
1: i got into it
0: um outside of racing i do personal training and athletic performance coaching right so a lot of working with middle school and high school athletes majority of what i work with is baseball and soccer players right softball players just because that's where my background is you know I was a college soccer player. I played softball and soccer in high school, so I work with a lot of athletes. I work at a local high school, and then I also do, like, group training. So a little, little bit of everything, but mostly I work in human performance and athletic performance. And unfortunately, these days, you know, my bank account's looking a little bit low. I need to start pushing some drugs again.
1: <laughs> now, Don't we just, all. Just draining me. I know, I need but, to design, like, this new strain of meth that's, like, really addictive.
0: Yeah, just find something. Keep the people coming back for more.
1: For real, for real. Okay, so you were also on that, the NBC uh, Spartan show for a couple of seasons, right? Yeah, I love it. Um, are, are, there, are there any talk of a third season of that? Uh,
0: from what I've heard, no. Um, unfortunately because it wasn't, it didn't renew it, as far as we know. I don't know if they're going to try to bring it back in the future, but as of right now, it looks like the TV show's kind of been squashed, no. unfortunately. So, yeah.
1: Well, that sucks. Yeah, just a
0: little bit. It was, it was a lot of fun. It was a blast.
1: Good. Didn't y'all, like, rec- I know this last season, y'all recorded that at, like, the witching hours, too, didn't y'all?
0: oh yeah we so it's from the producers of american ninja warrior right and i don't know why people don't really seem to understand this but ninja warrior it's dark out it is filmed at night so, so ninja warrior does the same exact thing they're filmed probably from nine or ten o'clock at night until maybe four or five o'clock in the morning oh wow. and ours was exactly yeah ours was exactly the same at least for the second season and right. uh, the way it was explained to us I guess people just enjoy watching nighttime competition more than daytime competition. So, that's what they go with.
1: Right. Well, it was cool. Y'all did it at, like, the old Walking Dead set, too. So, that was pretty cool, right?
0: Yes. Very cool.
1: Did y'all see, like, a lot of extras from that show over there, too?
0: Uh, no. <laughs> I mean, we had extras from ours. But what was... I actually completely forgot out this right now. We had or all over the place, because I guess they don't really shut the location off to the public. Um, it's kind of like back in the middle of nowhere, so I guess people can still find it. But right. while we were running, there was actually Walking Dead references, like quotes and, you know, drawings and stuff, all over the place. <laughs> like, there was a door that had the Don't Dead open inside.
1: Like,
0: <laughs> it had that on there, so it was, it was actually really cool.
1: I bet that was pretty neat. Yeah. Okay, so you've run several ultras. Um, you've done all the ultras in the uh, U.S., haven't you?
0: Uh, close. I, unfortunately, have missed on, out on Tahoe two years in a row.
1: Right. Um, the
0: first year I got injured, and then last year, um, I like just from running the Beast on Saturday, my body was just completely trashed. Like I don't know what happened, but that Beast hit me a hell of a lot harder than it had the previous two years. So I haven't done Tahoe and I haven't done Dallas. Oh, yeah. Yeah,
1: I forget about Dallas. South Carolina's new. Yeah. Yeah.
0: Dallas was not in there. But other than that, I have done the Hawaii, Colorado, Jersey, and the
1: Vermont Ultras before. You think that the, uh, the Tahoe threw you for a loop because of the elevation, probably?
0: I don't know because the first two years I was there, the elevation really didn't have an effect on me. Right. Um, What I think actually happened, like what was more likely was I had worn Tyler's, uh, wetsuit the morning of the race. Yeah. And the previous two years, I actually did the race in a sports bra and just a pair of Capri's because I overheat so easily. And within like the first mile or two of the race, I was actually taking his,
1: uh, his,
0: uh, off. And then I put it back on for the dunk wall. And then I left it on for a little while, which was a mistake because when we got up towards the top of the mountain, where the second bucket, or I don't know if it was the second or the first, whatever bucket brigade was up towards the top of the mountain, I was dying. I was so hot and so sweaty. Like I was staggering sideways, like miserable. By the time I got to the swim, I actually uh, rolled the wetsuit up and pulled the neck open and I was like, get all of this water on me. Like, I'm probably (laughs) the only person who enjoys the Tahoe swim because of how badly I was overheating. So I think there was just some wardrobe mistakes made. And then also, like, at some point during the race, I stopped eating and I stopped drinking. And it kind of just, you know, went downhill from there. Like, oddly enough, it was the best finish that I've ever had at Tahoe. But
1: it was the worst I've ever felt. <laughs> so that's awesome. Huh? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> the best. Okay. Um. So, you've done you've done the Vermont Ultra before, and uh, yes. So, this is my first year going to it. So I've got a lot of curiosities here, but just tell us the difference you know, between the Killington Ultra and, say, maybe the New Jersey one or maybe some of the easier Ultras, what are the biggest differences between them?
0: Oh, sorry, I'm driving home, and this guy ahead of me just ran over or just hit another
1: guy. Uh-oh. Um, Be safe. Oh, uh, hold on a second. This guy's trying to drive away, too.
0: I'm going to pull up, just get, Sorry, this is, like, the worst time for this to happen. I'm going to get this guy's license plate and call the police.
1: All right, cool. I'll just pause it, and you call me back.
0: Yeah, I'm sorry about this. Hold on.
1: Okay. Hey, it's okay. Uh, yeah. It was just it just showed the fine example of your sarcastic remark about Philadelphia.
0: Yeah, unfortunately, and like this is the crap that happens all the time. I was just telling Tyler last weekend how uh, one of the jobs I work, I have to be up at like 4:30. I'm on the road by 4:50 in the morning.
1: Ew, and gross. Every
0: Every single day, I see someone run a red light, and I'm like, I, I understand it's five o'clock in the morning, but like, really, the one time you do this and you get tomahawks by another vehicle, you're oh, ruining man. your day. <laughs> like, it's, that's the unfortunate part of driving in a populated area, but it happens. Oh, I'm Hopefully glad I live the in
1: the. I'm glad I live in the South and in a country town. The only yeah. time, the only time traffic gets busy here is at lunchtime. <laughs> yeah. you guys are lucky very lucky okay so we'll go back to the question i was asking before we got interrupted by some jerk behind the wheel so what would you say is the biggest difference between the vermont ultra and the rest of the ultras you've done
0: yeah so terrain wise i will say that vermont and new jersey are very very similar now and that's in terms of you have the fallen leaves the rocks the moss you know it's a little bit damp uh but i usually closely equate killington to new jersey the only difference is and i tell people this you are not going to be running nearly as much on killington as you do on a new jersey
1: because it's a lot steeper right
0: yes it is much steeper there's a lot more climbing Um, there's a lot more sustained climbing everybody out there knows what the death march is it's like i think it's like three quarters or a mile long and it's just like 20 to 40 percent grade the entire way and then you have extremely steep descents where you know it's like you you really have to have a set between your legs if you're running down these things. Like most people are actually sideways, almost crawling down them. So it's not the most runnable course. It's a lot of climbing. It's a lot of, you know, ankle breakers on the descents. And it's a very, very small amount of, uh, like runnable roads, at least from the two years that I've run it. That's what I've experienced, you know? Um, so, that's what makes it so difficult. That's what makes it the monster that everybody talks about is just the fact that there are so many sustained climbs and it's just, it's crazy inclined. It's a hard terrain. And then obviously, you know, it's this year more so than others. It's, it's 30 plus miles. Right. So that's the added, that's another added thing compared to years before where the ultras were only a 26 mile now we're at least looking at like a 31 i would say at least 31 miles on yeah. the mountain but yeah it's it, that that
1: incline it kills you it will absolutely kill you <laughs> so and this death march that you're talking about is that is that usually like the first climb like right out of the gate kind of like what they do at Palmerton
0: no so i i believe in 2015 Um, I believe 2015, it was the first climb that you did, but in 2016 and 2017, it was actually placed, I'd say about two thirds of the race.
1: Oh, so they move it around. um,
0: Yeah. So they actually, they give you now that's not to say that there's not other hard climbs in the beginning. Like where the, where the start line has been for the past two years, you do start climbing it is an initial climb, you come back down, you know, do a little bit in the back section, then you hit that death march, and at the death march, you usually have, I'd say, anywhere between three to five miles before the finish, so that's, that's, you know, usually towards the end, but it's, no matter where you put a thing in a race, it's a game changer.
1: Right. (laughs) And so you say it's almost a mile long, huh?
0: Yeah. I think it's, I'd have to look at it. I believe it's three quarters to a mile long though. Like I'm trying to think of what the average time of it is. I, I think last year when I looked at my watch afterwards, during that segment of the, uh, uh, course I was doing like two miles an hour, Wow! like up the hill. It was like, I was doing like 40 minute miles. It was, it's a rough thing, especially coming into it on the second lap. But I think that's one of those things where being physically as well as extremely mentally prepared can help you on that. But yeah, the, in, the, just the incline really. Cause if, if it wasn't for the length of the inclines, I would almost say that Killington would be equatable to a New Jersey.
1: Right. Well, um, you know, New Jersey only has the ability to have, you know, a certain amount of climbing in one yeah. stretch, you know, because I think yeah. it's only like a, a 1,200, you know, foot climb from the topest peak from the, the resort. So, but I think yeah. Killington can way overpass that as far in climbing. Yeah. Just from what i I think Killington from bottom to
0: peak, I think it's about 2,000 feet from the bottom to the peak of it. Now, the Death March actually happens, uh... I would. I don't. Like I said, I'm trying to think of how how far it is. I know it's a decent bit, but I know the Death March. I don't think goes from the bottom up 2,000 feet, but because it's only about a mile. But I would not be surprised if you get like 800 to 1,200 approximately feet of elevation just in that one climb.
1: That's a good climb. Yeah, it's actually one. So are most of the downhills, are they technical downhills, or is it like open ski slopes, kind of like Jersey is too? Or is it just mixed up?
0: There's a little bit of a mix, but I will say it definitely leans more towards being in the woods, technical downhills. Um, I don't know if it's because of the mountain or what, but they, I think last year only had one, one or two descents that were actually on the ski hills. The majority of the descents were actually in the woods on a technical terrain.
1: I'd rather it be that way. Yeah, (laughs) I'm all
0: right with that. I like the technical stuff. That's where I kind of excel a little bit.
1: Yeah, me too. I'm I'm good at going down hills better than I am going up, for sure. Yeah. (laughs) So, uh, for... I've never, you know, of course, it's only at Killington, the swim obstacle where you swim to the bridge. You want to tell us about that? Yeah.
0: So you obviously get in the water. The water, the swim is counted as one obstacle. So you swim to the bridge. You climb up the ladder. The ladder is the second obstacle. Once you're at the top of the ladder, you have the Tarzan swing, which I think is like five to six ropes with knots at the bottom of it, and then that is counted as an obstacle as well. So you have potentially 90 burpees within the swim. To you know that you could possibly fail because I don't as elites and age groupers we actually we are mandated to do the swim, but I believe the open class is allowed to skip it if they want to. If they want to do 90 burpees. yeah you're doing 90 burpees so for the last two years that i've done it i actually haven't made the tarzan swing portion of it just because i'm a am uh, a dead hang person when it comes to rigs and swinging yeah. you know i can't really hold the l's right and unfortunately being six foot tall means that <laughs> my feet usually swing into the water so i have i got a bone to pick with that stupid swing Bridge because
1: of the ropes a little bit low. Oh, so I thought it was a little higher up off of the water than that, is it not? Uh, for I'll if I'm dead hanging again, now you gotta remember I'm six foot tall, I got a six foot wingspan, right? So if
0: I'm dead hanging, I'm probably a little bit over my ankles in
1: the water. Oh, wow.
0: Yeah. So keeping the knees up is definitely important. Unfortunately, like I said, there's been a couple times I've just caught my toes or caught a foot and it's enough to like knock me off of it, but it's up there. If you can hold the L's, if you can't hold the L's and you're taller, then you got to start working on keeping the feet
1: up. So the ropes are close enough where you can go one to one. You don't have to swing to each one of them, right?
0: No, it's, it's, I'd say they're approximately the same distance where if you were to get two consecutive ropes
1: on on a a rig, rig, yeah, they're about the same
0: distance,
1: yeah. That sounds good. Yeah. How cold is that water usually? Pretty cold?
0: Well, if you ask Tyler, the water is absolutely freezing. If you, if you ask me, the water is actually like a severely welcome uh, obstacle because I get overheated. So I, there are people who tend to cramp when they hit it. Cause you got to remember it is Vermont. Obviously right. they get warm summers, so it's not going to be as warm as say like a Southern Lake or something. Yeah. But, uh, I think it's tolerable. I would put the water easily in like the high sixties.
1: That's not too I bad. It
0: least. No, it's really not bad at all. But like I said, it's kind of a relative thing because you asked Tyler like, oh, my God, it's freezing. And I'm sitting there like, oh, this is
1: great. <laughs> so, how far is the swim from the shore? Is it really long? Or is it about like West Virginia it was? Or y'all were in Hawaii. That's right. Yeah, we
0: weren't in West Virginia. But I'd say, um, I'm trying to give a yardage because I could say it was.
1: It's about like Palmerton that little trick out l- across that pond we did.
0: So, for the years where it went straight across the lake at Palmerton, I would say it might be about the same or a little bit shorter. So, like, distance-wise, I'd probably put it from 75 to, like, 100 yards. Approximately. It depends where they go in the lake, too. because so they've they changed gone, that up, too? Yeah, they ent- they've they switched up where you enter and exit a couple times. Now, the last two years, it's been the same entrance, and from there, I would say it's probably like 75-ish yards. But, de- again, depending where they go in or out, it could be longer or it could be shorter. Hmm. And then it's about like a 40-yard f- like swim out. At least, again, if they did it the way they did it last year.
1: Right. So long enough to get cold if it is cold, right?
0: If it is cold, yeah. <laughs> Personally, I think it feels lovely. <laughs> right.
1: Hopefully, I'll think it will, too. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> I know another another, it was a cold day in hell and it's Sunday on Charlotte.
0: Oh, that was, that was not, no, that was not my weekend. That was miserable. Yeah. I did not have fun.
1: That was bad. That, that was Sunday hard. was awful. That was a I mean, cold. Saturday, wasn't,
0: Saturday was better, but it wasn't much better. I still had problems on Saturday. But yes, yeah, Sunday I came across the finish line and I actually sat down at the fire and put my hands over the fire because of how frozen they were. Oh
1: man, my hands hurt all day long because they got so yep. cold. It was bad. Yep. That was
0: not fun.
1: Okay, so what's gonna be like your strategy coming into Killington this year? After you've run, you know, a certain amount of ultras, how do you have your strategy down, like, going into one of these races? Do you do something different when you go into Killington as opposed to, like, New Jersey or the Hawaiian Ultra?
0: Yeah, it's it's definitely different. So, like I said, I've run Hawaii, Jersey, Killington, and Colorado now. So, four different venues... And honestly, I approach each of them differently. So with Killington, the first year I was there, it was the second ultra I ever ran. I won the Hawaii Ultra in August, and I put way too much pressure on myself to be like, oh, I want to get two first places in a row. Right. I bit off way more than I can chew for my first Killington Ultra time. And I tell people like, I tell people all the time, when you go into Killington, don't necessarily expect to blow it out of the water the first time you go into a killington it is a survive and find the finish line if you find the finish line that in itself is a massive accomplishment just because of how many people this mountain has taken out right and i tell them learn from my mistakes i went into it with too high of expectations i was injured i blew myself out on the first lap because i was pushing too hard and i ended up dnfing like twenty. 20- that year it was actually like almost 30 to 31 miles. Wow. I ended up DNFing 26 miles in. I had like four or five miles left and I, I had nothing left in the tank. I was having ankle problems. It was just miserable. So the second year I went into it and this year I'm going to be doing essentially the same thing where my only expectation is to finish and have fun while doing so. That, for me, with Killington, has seemed to be the best combination to, you know, make sure that I don't just do well, but I also enjoy my time out there. Because right. if your only expectation is to finish, then anything above that is a bonus. You know, yep. running a clean race is a bonus. Making your spear both times is a bonus. For me, fortunately, last year, I ran a good enough race where my bonus was making it second place on the podium, which
1: that's awesome.
0: I didn't. I did not expect, I wasn't aiming for that. I wasn't looking towards that. All I was looking forward to was finishing and handling my business while I was out there. So last year I was having fun and I was finishing and this year it's going to be the same thing. I want to have fun while I'm out there and I want to finish anything else is just a bonus because again, Killington's a different monster People are like, oh, I, I ran the Dallas Ultra in seven hours. <laughs> no offense, but the Dallas Ultra is nothing like Killington. I'm not necessarily telling you to drop your expectations, but I'm telling you that you need to change your expectations. You got It's a different mountain. It's a different monster. You have to look at it as its own venue. You can't compare it necessarily to any of these other venues because it's it's definitely different and it's definitely harder.
1: Yeah, because you can. I mean, it, New Jersey's tough, but you can come out of New Jersey in a in a good, at a good race pace, you know, and still fare pretty well when it gets to the second lap. I mean, of course, you're not going to hit the second lap like you did the first, but you can yeah, still yeah. you can still run New Jersey pretty hard. And, and the reason why I think that is because the climbs are not as sustained as say yep. Killington will be.
0: Yeah, absolutely.
1: So that answers a good question for me. Yeah. So, What was the total elevation that you got when you did Killington last year?
0: Last year, I believe it was around 11 to 12 yeah. for both laps.
1: So it'll probably be that this year at least.
0: Yeah. Last, I had it, uh, it might, it, there's a possibility it could be a little bit more just because of that added distance, I'm not sure what the elevation was like in 2016 um, because people were like, oh, it was 19,000 feet. It was not 19,000 yeah. <laughs> feet. I have a feeling in 2016 when they did like the super ultra beast, it was probably closer, I'd say, to like the 13 or 14 range. Last year, I believe it was about 11 to 12 with the extra ultra loop. And it'll be approximately an extra three and a half miles over, you know, what we did last year. I'd probably put it into like an 11 to 13 range, somewhere in that 11 to 13,000 feet range. Right. I would think, you know, for all I know, they could run us around the lake a thousand times and that's going to be the ultra. But I have a feeling that's not going (laughs) to happen.
1: Yeah, I wonder, and you talk about the added ultra loop. I wonder if they'll do it like New Jersey where your first lap is super long and your second lap is a regular beast lap or if they'll do it like they did at Breckenridge where both laps will have an added ultra loop on it so both laps will be the same you know distance yeah I'm
0: I'm not sure I guess it depends on
1: what the mountain
0: gives them in terms of availability like how much space like are they going to have the room to do a Mm -hmm. four mile loop or is it going to be like you said, like Breckenridge, where we had an extra two-miler. I guess it just depends on, you know, what space they're working with and what areas they have to work with. But personally, I like the lap – I like the four-mile loop on the first lap better than I liked the two doing the two-mile loops twice.
1: Because
0: I'm definitely someone who feeds off of the people around me. Yeah. And when you're on that ultra-loop on your second lap, the people are kind of – you know, you're strung out. You're few and far between. Right. So – I kind of went into a little bit of a sad place. I was like I'm by myself,
1: There's no one here. Like
0: I started singing to myself just to try to distract myself, you know. Sec- second lap, I love talking to people, joking with people. Again, trying to have fun, trying to keep it light. Keep it light for me and for them because even if they're just running the beast, I know they're suffering, you know, just as much as I am. So it's hard to keep it light and joking when you're literally the only person around. It's like, do I just, do I just laugh at myself? Do you know, huh. do I just
1: tell it's myself so jokes? <laughs> I, yeah.
0: I, I liked having the loop on the first lap. That way you get it out of the way. Second lap, I get to spend time with other people, other racers. And, you know, you get it out of the way because when you get to transition, it's like, oh, well, it's okay. I have four less miles to do this lap. It's fine. I'll be okay.
1: Yeah. I know what I hated is, you know, on that second lap, you started seeing the mile markers, you know, for the beast and then the mile markers yeah. for the ultra. And you're, and you're kind of like we're getting a daze about, man, how many more I got to do? <laughs>
0: yeah. I almost wish they didn't have the mile markers because, like, my watch beeping is annoying enough. But, like, sometimes I would almost rather not know. Like, yeah. Because you, if you're not feeling good in the middle of the race, and you're like, oh, crap, I'm only at mile 11. Are you kidding right, me? Right, like, yeah. I'd rather it be a surprise. Like, you get to the finish line, and you're like, oh, I'm done. Oh, yeah. Okay. okay. Like,
1: because when you're in the zone, it's like the miles fly by. But if, like you said, if you're looking at, down at your watch, you know, it goes by a lot slower for sure.
0: Yeah. If you're suffering, it's, it's a lot worse to have those mile markers kind of like laughing in your face every mile.
1: Yeah, for sure. Yeah. <laughs> The only thing about New Jersey is is that four-mile loop, it was it was pretty gnarly. It was dreadful. Oh, yeah. It was weird. That was
0: very rough terrain. Now, I will say the Killington terrain
1: is easier than that is. <laughs> that, that, that was straight-up bushwhacking. Yeah, it was. I don't even think they – I think they just run tape through it and be like, we'll just let them go this way and knock everything down. Yeah. We don't have time. <laughs> yeah.
0: Which they may not have. I don't know. I know, I know the course designer, you know, they put, it was Woody. He put a lot of time into like scouting that ultra loop and, you know, looking at it and everything. And I don't, they may have run out of time or he, Hey, who knows? Maybe they were just like, you know what? You guys are going to run through here. Yeah. Find your own adventure. But see that I almost liked because instead of it being, it was extreme. yeah, Yeah. Instead of it being a race where you have the double rails, you know, the tape on both sides. And the tape is so narrow, you can only choose one path. Yeah, I actually liked the fact, you know, that they switched it
1: up a little bit. They gave us, you know, like oh, it was 15, wide 20, open. Yeah, yeah, they gave us like fifteen twenty
0: yards, and it was kind of just like a pick your own adventure. You know, which direction do you want to go? So that, as much as I hated the terrain because it was hard to, you know, run into it, get a rhythm, I actually also liked it because it, it was something different. They they did something different, which you know, when you run the same venues over and over and over again it's hard to sometimes find that new terrain and the new areas and everything. And, you know, you see that happen with a couple of these venues that are smaller venues. Yeah. So, as, as much as it made me miserable, I was also like, you know what? They found a new area for us to run in. Exactly. They gave us a wide open space. You know, it absolutely sucks, but I appreciate the effort.
1: Yeah, because, I mean, I've been to New Jersey, I think, three years in a row. And you, it's like you said, you, you recognize the terrain, you know. You'd be like, hey, I remember this hill, you know.
0: Yeah. (laughs) It's hard to find new places, especially like, and people think that when you go up to a mountain or like Jersey, there's certain parts where you're like, you could go like three miles over in that direction. Well, I don't know if anybody noticed it, but actually up at Jersey on that ultra loop, there is a section or there was one part we actually ran by a tree stand. And I had asked Woody about it, and he was like, no, if we went, like, 10 yards to the right of where that tape was, we were actually on someone else's property. Oh, wow. So, like, they ran the pro- they ran the property line. He, I'll give it to him. He found, like, every inch of space that he could to just try and give us something else to run on.
1: <laughs> wow. That's pretty cool. You know, I always like when they, you know, because, you know, they always go to Conyers in Georgia and... The one year where they did the super and they sent us up underneath the road and we saw what was over there. That was super cool, you know. Because after doing yeah. the sprint time and time again, you know, you see the same stuff, you know. Yeah. It's the same race virtually. I mean, you might go a different direction, but I mean, you know. All, all the OCR uh, companies use that venue, so it's very recognizable. Yeah. Okay, so tell us about how are you going to, you know, what are you going to use for like hydration going into this race? Are you use a vest, so, a pack?
0: Yeah, so I'm I'm a huge, huge, huge fan of the Solomon vests. The uh, I use the Advanced Skin Five set. I believe it is. It's the five liter capacity, which is the smaller one. Right. Um. I'm huge on it. I used to, I had a Camelback when I first got into racing, but it had no front pockets, no side pockets. It was literally just a bladder and like a very small pocket. So obviously that was not the best for an ultra. Um, I went over to a Nathan pack and I really liked the Nathan pack, but the, uh, section of webbing that goes kind of underneath your armpit it was much more stretchy than the rest of the vest was. So what ended up happening was under there got all stretched out and eventually my vest started riding up. And I have a picture of me in New Jersey from 2017. Uh, I think it was 2017. And my vest is like choking me because <laughs> since it all stretched out, it just kept riding up. And I was so freaking sick of it by the end of that. Oh, my I, I love the Solomon vest because they fit. They're almost like a uh, an athletic like t shirt, like an Under Armour, where they're they're stretchy and they kind of like conform to your body. So I liked the fact that they were stretchy, but not as stretchy as like those that like that section on that Nathan pack. That was just a nightmare. So these they form better, they fit better, it stays a lot tighter to your body. So like right. in the event that the barbed wire is high enough that you can like hands and knees crawl on it, I'll leave my pack on because it sits tight enough to me that don't
1: hit the barbed wire
0: yeah now if i'm rolling in the barbed wire i always tell people take your pack off and flip it on your front yeah because you're less likely to smash your bladder and smash your food if it's on your front side than if it's on your
1: back side yeah i haven't i need to get one of those vests because i I have a camel back and i I, it's like you said it's it's annoying especially under the barbed wire and like you said, anytime you want to get something out of it, you have to pretty much take it off to get to it. Yeah. It's yeah, I have, on that Solomon vest, I
0: have one, two, three, four, five, six. I have seven pockets that I can access relatively easily at any point in time. Now, there's one pocket on the back that I would say, depending on the person, would be more questionable to, uh, to reach into just because, like, you know, I have the shoulder mobility. I can reach behind my back, no problem. But right. um, some people don't use that pocket just because, you know, of reaching into it. So if you take that pocket out of it, guess what? You still have six pockets that you can very easily reach from, like, I'd say you have to reach back to just just about underneath your armpit at the rib cage, and there's a zipper pocket right there. That would be about as far back as you would have to go if you don't use that seventh pocket. So, so I, I love
1: them. So, does it have, like, a bladder on the back of it with the hose coming around front, or does it have, like, yes. bottles on the front?
0: It has... You can do both, or either.
1: Oh, that's cool. Um, so, it,
0: they actually come with the two um, bottles in the front. Now, I tried running with them, and personally, I'm not a fan for the Ultra, just because usually, if at any point you are running in an Ultra... It's usually like, I call it the ultra shuffle. It is more of a shuffle. You know, you're not really striding out and running. Yeah. So when I when I do that, I kind of get the T-Rex arm going on, <laughs> you know, where you kind of tuck the arms in. So for me personally, having the bottles up front, it just kind of got in the way of my T-Rex arms, and I wasn't a fan of it. So I personally like the, uh, the bladder on the back. Now, obviously that's just a personal preference, Right. But you can do either or both.
1: How many jails does that vest hold? I'm curious about it now.
0: <laughs> uh, let's see. The five, in the five, I can get a 70-ounce bladder. I'll do, I think the most I've ever stuffed it up with was like, and this was actually for a different race. This wasn't for an ultra, but um, for another race, I did about four waffles. Oh, wow. I did, there was four waffles in one pocket. There was two picky bars and two packs of Justin's peanut butter in another pocket. I had four things of shot blocks, and then I think I had 12 goos. Oh, God.
1: And I, and I probably still could have fit more in it, to be honest. Like, oh, well, that's plenty package, for one lap, you know. Oh, <laughs> for yeah, sure. Absolutely. That's yeah. overkill. For an, yeah, for an Ultra,
0: like for the Spartan Ultra, I wouldn't take that. that like I said, that was for a different race where I was going to be. Like there, I wasn't coming back to the a drop in right. or anything that was like, I was out there for like, I think it was six or eight hours. I can't remember. I think it was maybe six hours, but I, I did a little bit of overkill on that one just cause you know, I could, but for an ultra, like I'll usually do maybe two waffles, a picky bar, a pack of peanut butter, one thing of shot blocks and anywhere from four to six gel packets, goo packets. And that's, it, it has more than enough room for that. Right. Like the pockets pockets are super stretchy. Like I said, even when it's loaded up like that, it still sits nicely because it's that flexible. Like I said, it's like an under armor sort of like fit to it. It sits tight on your chest. It's not a rigid material. It's a very fluid and flexible material. So I'm I'm a huge fan of it just because of the way it sits and everything.
1: Right. So what did you say a picky bar? Is that what you said?
0: Yes, they're called picky bars. You can get them at REI. Yeah, and uh, I found them a couple of years ago before the Hawaii Ultra, but they're I'd say less than the size of a playing card, and they have about 200 calories in them. Right, and they're pretty they're pretty basic as far as ingredients go. So for me personally, they I don't have to worry about you know
1: getting the bubble guts or anything. Yeah, they so it's kind of like an RX the bar then, kind of. Yeah,
0: I'd say yeah, it's like an RX bar, but it's even a little bit smaller than that.
1: Right. Cool. So that was
0: nice. It's it's a decent amount of calories and a small thing, but yeah, you get them at REI. I love them.
1: So, are you uh, are you putting anything in your water, like some non tablets or some old, uh, Endura lights or anything? Or are you just straight water?
0: Uh, it's to be honest, I'm still messing with the hydration, even after I've run six six ultras at this point. I think six Ultras at this point. And I'm still kind of messing with the hydration a little bit just because I've tried the Pedialyte in water. I've yeah. done Gatorade in water. I've done water with a light pack, which was something that we used in college. It's it's a little packet that has Gatorade's proprietary blend of electrolytes in it.
1: Right, I know what you're talking um, about.
0: Yeah, I didn't, I've done straight water. And I think I've done water and... There was something else that I tried before. I don't think... It wasn't Noon tablets, but it was... Oh, um...
1: Tailwind or the, something.
0: Uh, no, not Tail... Actually, that's what I just got that I want to try. What is the name of it? I, think I it's do not kind of
1: like a taste of Tailwind.
0: Oh, uh, what is it? What is this? Um... Oh, Scratch. Scratch tablet. Or Scratch uh, powder. That's the other one that I tried. And to be honest, I haven't really found, like, a hydration combination that I like so far. So for Vermont, I might just go in straight water and what I'll I'll do is carry um, one of those, uh, the soft flasks. What I'll do is I'll pour, I'm going to try the tailwind. I know I haven't actually tried it fully yet, so I'm interested to see what the taste is like. But to me, for like liquids, I'm not usually worried about the taste because hopefully I'm only drinking, you know, 12 to 16 ounces of it at a time. So I can just choke it down and get it in. But I think for Vermont, I'm going to go plain water in the pack, and then in a soft flask, I'm going to put the tailwind powder and just not fill it up until I get to a water station, chug it down, and then throw the empty flask Ah, back in there.
1: Right, I see what you're
0: saying. So, I'm going to try that. I know they say not to try things on race day. I'm going to try to do that. Hopefully next week, I'll do like a five-mile run and just try it out, see if I like the taste, if it's easy enough to get down. You know, like I said, taste isn't a huge thing, but if it tastes extra good, then maybe I'll be extra happy for it
1: at some Man, point. And it tastes like a know. it tastes like a Flintstone vitamin crushed up to me. I don't know if it was a bad flavor I got, but I was not crazy about it.
0: Yeah. <laughs> I'm not sure what we got. I think it's like I think it's some sort of like tropical or like Hawaiian flavor or something. I don't know. Tyler tried it, I haven't really tried it yet.
1: Right, right. So when you're out there and you're running, like how often are you drinking or are you like just drinking as you're thirsty or are you making sure you just drink every so often? Are you timing it?
0: I'm a very, very heavy sweater, like extremely heavy sweater. So every, I try to do every five to eight minutes, I take three big sips of it. You know, I know there's people and it blows my mind, like Glenn Race. Um, out in Breckenridge he had no hydration pack I think he had like one or two goos in his pocket and that was like it that's insane one of those people I I'm a heavy sweater I have to have the water on me so I'm every five to eight minutes I take two to three big gulps and then every water station I'm usually like at least a cup if not two cups of water because again I'm I overheat wow. really easily, and I sweat like freaking crazy. I'm also a person who
1: shamelessly pees themselves during races. <laughs> <So> <laughs> I know people like, like that that do that. Yeah. So. so when people are like, "Oh, well, how do you deal with it when you have to go to the bathroom?" I'm like, "If you really want to know that answer, I'll tell you." But yeah, I don't think just, I could pee while I was running, but like during a swim, I could probably do it. But like. Yeah. But like a buddy of mine, he was telling me uh, when we were in West Virginia, he's like, man, I, I peed three times di- during the beast. I was like, man, how do you do that while you're running? Yeah. <laughs> I
0: don't think that's uncommon for guys, though, because all of the guys that I've talked to, they're like, no, I can't pee while I'm running. I have to stop and go off to the side. But then all the girls are yeah, that's like, me. yeah, we just let it go. So maybe it's just a guy thing. I don't
1: know. No. It might be a sign of. You having to wear the pins when you get older too. <laughs> yeah, hopefully not. Hopefully I'm not sitting in like my
0: grandkid's house or something. Being like, oh yeah, I have to go to the bathroom. Gotta go. You get so used to it because of racing; it just carries the rest of your life. Hopefully that doesn't
1: happen. <laughs> yeah, for real. So in New Jersey, I tried something new. I ran the first lap without hydration, and I wore a. I just wore a flip belt, you know, and had a bunch of yeah. gels in it and had some salt pills in it and all that and I was like you I, I I consciously stopped at every water station and drank a full cup of water and I felt good you know and it was nice not having the camel back and having to deal with it for the whole first lap but on the second lap I uh, I think I would might have was starting to get a little dehydrated because I was losing appetite for certain gels that i had with me and uh i felt i think i drank my whole camelback before the second lap was over and i was hitting water at all the water stations so i think my body was trying to catch up too and i'm kind of on the fence about doing that again at killington but i don't think i'm going to take a risk
0: yeah and i i I tell people all the time, like I think most hydration bladders average about 70 ounces, which is two liters. They do make smaller ones. So for people who are worried about weight, then I tell them, get a smaller bladder, use the water stations more heavily, make sure that when you hit that rehydration station uh, where you can fill your pack, make sure you use it, and then have a gallon of water in your drop bin. Cause you know, if, if that's something that you're worried about, then go with the smaller bladder, but just right. be conscious of the fact that you will have to fill it more often. Yeah. Um, for me personally, it doesn't make that big of a deal. Cause I drink so frequently that, right. you know, that, that weight tends to disappear, <laughs> disappear pretty easily. But I, I personally, I can't run without some sort of hydration. Right. You know, I got to have something. So that's, that wouldn't be something that I would suggest, but that was—that's just because of my personal experiences with it. Right. You know, again, there's people, Ryan Atkins, Isaiah Vidal. There's tons of people who run without hydration. I just don't know how they do
1: it. Yeah. <laughs> because I well, and it might be one of those things where they drink two cups of water at every water station too. I've never seen yeah. them do it on live feed. I know that, but I've never seen them do a ultra either.
0: Yeah very true they could be they could be heavily hydrating and we just don't see it you know heavily hydrating during the race i
1: should say i remember it showed uh ryan coming in to the finish line at the ultra at tahoe last year and he just it it looked like he was just in cadillac mode and he was just wearing it i mean he didn't look like he had a pocket on him anywhere to carry anything so i don't know yeah i don't
0: know i know I, I know Isaiah had a small belt that I think maybe had a couple like goos or gels in it, but yeah, Ryan, like Tyler and I saw Ryan towards the finish line, and I was like, "What the heck?" Yeah, I was like, "How is this? Like, he's literally this looks like a Sunday morning cooldown run for him. Like, it he doesn't sure even look did. like he's struggling."
1: I know that was it's nuts. That was wicked, it's super wicked. It's nuts. I guess I'll probably just wait and see what the map shows when it comes out, make my decision then. If it's a long first loop, I'm probably just going to go ahead and wear a pack. But, I mean, if it looks like there's a bunch of water stations and, I don't know, maybe it's just an equal lap for both laps, I might give it a try. I don't know.
0: Yeah, I will say, I don't know how Breckenridge is going to go. Uh, New Jersey, I think, was okay with the water stations. But Breckenridge, the water stations were really, really, you know, placed appropriately right there was never a long stretch where you're like holy crap i need water it was almost like they they said every you know two miles or whatever it was every two miles we're gonna have a water station and it was almost like on the dot that they had them so that was if they could do that in killington that would be great
1: yeah i don't remember jersey being too bad on the water stations there was one part where you went like three miles without it i think if i remember right
0: it wasn't bad, but I found myself in Jersey being like, Holy crap, where's the next water station? Whereas yeah. Breckenridge, I was like, Oh, there it is. Yeah. Stop here.
1: <laughs> okay, so let's talk drop bins. Like, what are what are we putting in our drop bin to survive Killington?
0: I think a comfort a mental comfort food is like a must. Some people say that's not necessary. I think it is. For me, I
1: have a pack of Pop-Tarts. Now, explain to me how I'm going to get cake and ice cream in my five-gallon bucket. <laughs> uh, get some good in- dry ice. Dry ice will be fine. It'll be totally okay. I, you know what? I really wouldn't be surprised if there's someone out there who has done ice cream in a drop. Before. Like, I, wouldn't it I wouldn't doubt it either. I wouldn't doubt it either. Now, me personally, I'm not eating any sort of milk products. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> so I know. That's not going to sit well. That's just yeah, my comfort crazy. food, though. Yeah, I th- but
0: I think something that's and unfortunately people are like oh a Snickers bar a Snickers bar is gonna melt.
1: <laughs> yes. <laughs> unfortunately, so yeah. if
0: you are right with a melty Snickers bar, that's totally fine. Go for it. But I yeah. think I think having some sort of a mental comfort food, like I said, for me it's Pop Tarts, um, possibly a pack of peanut butter, and then you know whatever I'm kind of feeling. Sometimes it's jerky. I'll throw in a little bit of jerky in there just something that when you get to your drop-in, you're like, oh my gosh, yes, this is going to be so good right now. Yeah. And I like to tell people to put it, make it a little bit heavier on the calories just because if you are going to be, you know, walking a little bit, you might as well get, try to get some of those calories back in your body while, you know, while you can. So a pack of Pop-Tarts, two Pop-Tarts, I think it's like, I think it's like 400 or 500 calories. Oh yeah. So, so for me, I, actually, I don't eat them in transition, and I try to tell people this, too. If possible, get something that you can with walk with. Yes. Get it into your hand or into your pack, and then once you leave transition, walk out of transition and start eating. Because even if you're walking, you're still walking towards the finish line versus exactly. sitting yeah. down or standing in transition eating something. Get something that you can walk with, and yeah. then obviously easily throw the trash or whatever in your pack.
1: Yeah, definitely want to stay in the drop bin area a m- minimum time, you know, as least as possible.
0: Yeah. I try to do 5 5 to 7 minutes is usually about where I can uh, where I get in and out of. Now, Breckenridge was a little bit longer, but that was because we started getting rain in the middle of it and it was freezing, so I had to I had to do a little bit of a wardrobe change. So, I think Breckenridge I was actually in there like maybe 10 minutes. But right. every other ultra, I'm, I'm in between that five to seven minute mark. And I've, I've found that's my goal is no longer than seven minutes and try to get at least five minutes just because of, I don't want to rush in and forget something and right. leave and then be like, crap. So I give myself five minutes to collect my thoughts, get it all done, and then try to get out in that five to seven minute mark.
1: I know both times I've done the ultra, I've, I've had to take my shoes off in the drop bin and dump the rocks out. <laughs>
0: Yeah. Fortunately, I haven't had too much of a problem with that. In Hawaii, the first ultra I ran, I had to take, I had to change my shoes because I had a blowout. Oh, no. In Killington a couple weeks later, like I said, I had an ankle problem. I had an injury and I actually had to sit down and cut, I taped my ankles. I cut the ankle tape off and had to retape it. So Killington in 2016, I was in transition for like 15 or 20 minutes just because of the shoes and, Cav having to, I had to take my calf sleeve off to get to the rest of the tape, and then getting it back. It was 2016. Killington was a nightmare for me, which is not a good thing. That mm. was where I learned everything you don't do during an ultra.
1: <laughs> so, what else are you keeping in your drop band?
0: Um, so I always keep. I don't know if they change this for this year. I don't think they do. Bag drops not open during the morning when you drop your bin so what i do is i take a dry bag i throw a full change of clothes and a towel in that dry bag shove it at the bottom of my bin because i'm not going to be touching it until after the race right but i feel like a lot of people forget about the fact that after a race the last thing you want to do is hang around in your crappy muddy smelly race clothes
1: oh yeah so
0: i I tell people like don't forget just pack yourself a towel and change of clothes so that goes at the bottom like i said stays there i don't touch it until after the race um I do put an extra pair of shoes and socks just because, like I said, in Hawaii I had a blowout. Just and, in case, that's right. Yep, it's a that is my like one just in case item. You know, I don't pack an extra set of cl- like race clothing and hydration packs and yada yada all that other stuff. I only bring extra shoes because, knock on wood, I haven't had any other problems with things. So right. hopefully that stays true. So, extra pair of shoes and socks just in case of a blowout, and then. I pack three different, um, or no, I'm sorry, two different, uh, Ziploc bags of nutrition. So the night before the ultra, I sit down and I think about the mileage and I make up my nutrition strategy. So the amount of nutrition that I have for my second lap is the exact same as I have for the first lap. So when I get done my first lap, I hold on to all my trash and I'll say, okay, I ate three goop. Goose, a shot block, and a honey waffle. And I'll reach into that bag that has the same exact nutrition as I had in my pack for the first lap. And I'll grab the three Goose, the shot block, and uh, the waffle, and I'll put it in my bag. So I only replace what I use.
1: That's smart. Now,
0: unless now the only time that that was different was for New Jersey this year because obviously we had that extra four-mile loop. Right. So I, I gave myself an extra hour and a half worth of nutrition. So an hour and a half for me is about 450 calories is what I would do. So I had an extra 450 calories on the first lap than I did on the second lap. So I have two baggies, one that has my second lap nutrition, which is again, identical to my first lap nutrition, just maybe, you know, some different flavors or whatever. And then I have a Ziploc baggie with my quote-unquote, comfort food, which is probably going to be, like I said, Pop-Tarts, maybe a peanut butter packet, and some jerk meat. So I, I do keep that separate just because that's one of those things where I could possibly forget something. So I give it its own little category in the, or its own little spot in the side so I know that it's there. Um, I will put a Gatorade, um, and I usually have a water bottle filled um, with I'm hopefully going to, my hydro flask, I forgot to put ice in my hydro flask before New Jersey, so my water wasn't exactly cold when I got there, Right. but I'm going to fill my hydro flask with some ice and water, chug most of that, put the rest of it in my pack and then take off. So again, just breaking that down, I got a pack of comfort food, I got a pack of second lab nutrition, extra pair of shoes and socks, extra pair of er, clothing and a towel for after the race, and then a Gatorade and a water bottle
1: so you don't keep that's, that's you carrying any, anything in there for like if you get a blister on your foot or anything like that
0: oh yes i forgot about that oh my gosh a brave soldier's going to smack the hell out of me for forgetting about that but yes i do keep a ziploc baggie of a very small emergency uh kit so they obviously sell the beast pack which has you know all of the band-aids and gauze and tape that you'll ever need but i find that like the less amount of stuff that you have in your drop in, the easier it is for you to handle right. transition. Because if you have a whole ton of crap in there and you're
1: digging and can't find anything, like you get flustered. Yeah. The last thing I want
0: to do in transition is have to think and dig through a box. So exactly clear zip baggies and I'll put what I, I put the friction zone. Um so they have a gel friction zone and a stick friction zone. I'll put those in there in case find anything that's overly, you know, rubbing. Ibuprofen, um, sunscreen and chapstick. And I put that in a plastic baggie and that's what I leave. That's it. So I know people keep band aids and gauze and stuff in there. For me personally, in the middle of a race, if I put a band-aid onto a muddy and sweaty, you know, part of my body, it will stick. Work, it's not gonna stick. It's just gonna fall off. You're better off leaving that stuff until after the race wait until you go back to the uh, the hotel or the airbnb wherever you're staying clean it out and then take care of it but yeah in the middle of a race if you try to stick a Band-Aid onto your muddy arm it's not going to stick there so i i don't worry about the gauze and all that other stuff it's just some friction zone sunscreen chapstick and ibuprofen
1: yeah i sure some you know i'm always worried you know if you get a bad blister and luckily i've never gotten one but I always usually put something in there for it
0: yeah, I knock on wood since I've started using the Brave Soldier Friction Zone, which I wish I had found that years ago when I was racing because I used to get horrible blisters on my pinky toes. Right? Because my pinky my pinky toes like curl under the toes next to them. It's kind of <laughs> weird, but I always get blisters on them. And ever since I started using the Brave Soldier, I I've, I've been great with it. I love their friction zone, so I put that on my toes before the race. I put it in there just in case for some reason I need to apply it somewhere. And then I use the, the stick, um, which is like a mini deodorant stick almost. I use that underneath certain areas of my pack and then also yeah. underneath certain parts of my sports bra because sports bras tend to rub in the armpit area. So I like to use that in there.
1: So what is this Brave Soldier friction zone? Is it like kind of like a, a Vaseline or something? Or is it like, what what is it? I've never yeah, so heard of it.
0: It's Brave Soldiers' version of, like, uh, trail toes or body glasses. Ah,
1: okay, I got you.
0: Yeah. It's a, you know, it's you can equate it to, like, a Vaseline or something. Um, I, Like I said, I, I found them, like, I think it was last year. Last year. And then I, I have an ambassador program with them just because I love the way their products work. Because I put the friction zone on my toes, the gel friction zone on my toes, last year before Killington. And I didn't have to touch it once. Didn't have to reapply it. At no point was I uncomfortable. And I'm sitting there and I'm like, this stuff just lasted 10... Uh, it took me 10 hours to do Killington last year. I was like, they gave me 10 hours on a mountain blister free? Like, I'm sold. I'm yeah. not sold. I was thrilled just because of how badly I used to get blisters on my toes. Wow. But yeah, it's, it's just like a body glider and trail toes. But personally... I like the friction zone a little bit better. It smells a lot better. And in my own personal experience, uh, I haven't used trail toes, but I have used body glide, but I do like their stick and their gel better than I like, you know, the body glide products personally.
1: Is there any stores that sell that or is it something you got to order from them?
0: It's you have to order from them mainly online. Um, they have been at a couple races this year. They were down in West Virginia and I think you can buy stuff from them, but, uh, yeah, it's mainly online. I can give you a discount code if you want it.
1: Save sure, what is it? <laughs>
0: it's Alex twenty.
1: All Alex capital twenty. Letters. Cool. A L E X
0: twenty. All capital letters. It'll save you twenty percent at checkout at BraveSoldier
1: Right on. Well, Alex, is there anything else that you can give, like the noob that's going to Killington for the first time? Is there any other information that you think we should we need to hear that we need to know about this race?
0: I think the few things that I always tell people, and it's, it's not necessarily anything new coming from me. You know, you'll hear this from anybody. Uh, number one is to never, ever stop moving, especially at Killington. You got a lot of miles, a lot of ground to cover, and a lot of incline to handle. Just don't stop moving. Even if, if you're taking one foot in front of the other and barely covering, you know, two feet, when you take that step, you're still moving towards the finish line. But if I'm standing still or if I'm sitting down, I'm not getting any closer to that finish line. You have to keep telling yourself to keep moving because even if it's a snail's pace, you're going faster or you're getting closer than you would be if you were standing. Um, I tell people all the time, minimal time transition, which we talked about, and also do not sit unless you absolutely have have to. to yeah because when you sit down your energy sinks your legs start to cramp up you start to get or some people just get comfortable they're like oh this is nice i'm just going to sit well 5 minutes turns to 10 turns to 15 turns to 20 and next thing you know you're getting told that if you don't leave transition you're going to be getting cut because you're coming in on the time cutoff so if you have even if you have to change your shoes or something like try to try to do it standing up right. if possible like if do not sit by like by any means just don't
1: sit down um and don't sit on somebody else's bucket because they may be coming in the drop bin area looking for it and they can't find it because you're sitting on it (laughs) don't do that that's rude don't be a dick um uh what else well actually yeah
0: don't be a dick so on the second (laughs) lap i know people have a tendency to get like grumpy they're upset it's my second lap i'm miserable everybody out there is suffering together if you want to be grumpy, be a sarcastic grumpy. You know, be make a joke about how miserable it is. Try to get yourself laughing, but don't That's be right. a lot of a lot of people think that just because you're an ultra racer means that you're above the people who are racing the beast. You know, everybody's racing their own race. Everybody feels difficulty. Difficulty is relative. So for me to be rude to someone on course just because i think i'm running a harder race is me being a dick oh yeah so so on that second lap even on your first lap try to be encouraging to people
1: if exactly. you have
0: to pass someone use the on your left say thank you like offer exactly offer, yeah just don't be a dick about it we're all suffering together we're all rolling around in the mud together at the end of the day just be a nice person about it and I, and that to me staying positive and being positive is so much better. It gives you such a better race experience than if you're miserable and just a whiny little bitch the whole time.
1: Yeah, no doubt, no doubt. Because yeah, New Jersey was great. Positive. Everybody I passed at New Jersey was great. Everybody was oh, – yeah. And, you know, they were very helpful. I mean, there was it, There was no complaints. Everybody at New Jersey was great during the old no, – they were –
0: Jersey was awesome. Killington last year, and especially at Killington, you'll notice just because people know, you know, it has that, you know, it has that reputation. The second time you come through, people are like, oh, my gosh, you're amazing. You're phenomenal. And it's, like <laughs> such a, it's such a boost to you that I turn back and I'm like, no, you're phenomenal. Like, make a joke of it. Have a good time with it. But it's so much better when you stay positive, and it just makes the experience better for everyone around you because, you You don't want to be that person who says something rude or pushes someone on a trail, and then that person, you know, their attitude turns around and turns sour because you were rude to them. I never want to be the person to ruin someone else's race. I want to make their race better, so I'm going to be a good person. I'm going to try to be respectful, you know, have a little fun with it, but, again, we're all suffering on the same mountain together, so I'm not going to add to any sort of negativity about it be positive
1: about it that's what uh, that's what it's all about too i mean and everybody needs to be that way i know every time i've run an ultra or a long beast i've always made a couple of new friends just by somebody i was running besides and i started talking with them so oh
0: yeah absolutely and you know i not that there's anything wrong with the beast runners but i always do make a point to try and like call out the ultra runners just because i know not everybody is necessarily going to be in the same place mentally as me and I know that, you know, especially some of these ultra runners, they need that extra boost. So I try as best as I can to, you know, not, not again, that I'm ignoring the beast racers, but I try to encourage them especially just because, like, some of these guys are really suffering. You can see it on their face. Right. It's like, hey, we're on the second lap. Like, guess what? We only got nine miles left. We're in single digits. That's like, right. Like, guess what? We, ha- we got 15 miles left. That means we only have to do three miles five times. Like, just... Try to you know try to make it good for the people around you, not just the beast racers, but also the ultra racers. You'll have a better time. They'll have a better time. But you got to enjoy it.
1: That's right. So, yeah. That's right. And you mentioned something a minute ago that made me think of another question. Do you carry anything in your vest for cramp suppression?
0: I knock on wood. I'm literally going to find a
1: piece of wood to knock on right now. I have <laughs> never cramped at a race in my life. Hey, that's awesome. So Yeah, knock on wood. Knocked- <laughs> now, at some point, it's never happened. Now, the one thing I do carry is
0: um, I have a little waterproof container that does have ibuprofen in it because um, I have a bad knee, I got a bad ankle. So, at some point, usually one of those will start bothering me. So, uh, most of the time, I usually grab ibuprofen and transition if I need to. If I don't need to, I basically run until I have to. Right. So, I do carry That's the more. ibuprofen with me. Yeah. I've. On occasion, I've carried mustard packets and stuff just because, as a racer, I obvi- as a lead racer, I obviously can't help individuals with obstacles and stuff. But there have been times where I've caught up to a beast racer, and they're like, "Holy crap, I'm cramping so bad!" So sometimes I shove a couple like mustard packets yeah. in my bag, and I'll hand them out just because I know people usually end up needing them, and some of these people don't know about that, so. I I'm the weird person who sometimes carries things for other people, just hoping that, you know, they
1: don't need it. But if they do, maybe I can be person to help them out with it. That sounds cool. Okay, I'm getting super excited about this race. And okay, so, am I. so we're getting close to an hour here. And uh, I always ask a few questions to uh, everybody I interview, but I'm only going to ask a couple of them because I just love to hear people's responses to these two questions. All right. So, to date, what has been your most favorite race and why? And it doesn't have to be Spartan. It can be any race.
0: Oh, uh, I actually, it's got to be Killington last year, the Ultra, um, just because Tyler and I, in 2016, both had our own bad experiences. So, I, again, took a DNF. I was miserable. I was upset. It was the first DNF I ever took, and I was you know just besides myself about it. And then, he was in second place for the vast majority of the race. Right. And then, right, I don't know, I can't remember exactly. I think it was in, like, the last couple miles. All of a sudden, he started hitting the wall, and he actually ended up in fourth place. So, uh. even, though, even though he had a very good race, coming in fourth place, you know, that's still a phenomenal race. Yes, he yeah, was, it is. Yeah, he was just upset because he had that podium position, and he lost it. And then, obviously, you know, I just didn't finish the race. So... 2016 was a big, big redemption race for us. Um, my goal was just to finish. He wanted a podium, and we ended up standing on the podium together. So I came in second, he came in third. Unfortunately, of the six races that we podiumed together with last year, that was the first race where we both didn't come in the same position. <laughs> and uh, I was joking with him when I got on the podium. I was like, you
1: could have just run a little faster. If you just run a little bit faster, We could have been standing here together. But for
0: both of us that was like a year-long goal was hey we both need to get that redemption at Killington so finally being able to get that redemption after a year of waiting to get back on the mountain for me was like holy crap and then obviously being able to share that you know with my boyfriend was just like icing on top of the. oh yeah
1: that's epic man that's epic it,
0: it would have been great if if I had done it by myself but obviously I want to see him succeed and I want to see him reach his goals, so for both of us to do it at the same time, both of us to get that redemption on Killington, which is like the mecca of the ultra races, was mm, just like yeah so. And and even if even if it hadn't been, you know, me on a podium, even if he just got on the podium, like I said, I just wanted to finish. Anything above that was a bonus for me. So I got my bonus, I got the redemption. He got his redemption. It was a phenomenal weekend. I had a blast. That was like the best I've ever felt during ultra, even though I cried at the finish line because I was so tired, like <laughs> it was it was great. And I'm not a big person who puts a lot of stress on podiums um, just because a lot of people have different goals and right. there's only three there's only, you know, three people of each gender every race who get to have that moment in the spotlight. And I'm a, It's I'm tough. A, a, yeah. And I'm a very big advocate of, hey, even if you didn't get that podium, I want you to tell me right now three things that you did during that race that you're proud of with yourself because it's it's a small it's a you know that's a that's a big thing is to get a podium and there's six people who podium out of how many people who race it's a small percentage so you got to find the victories where you can so that's right like even though that was a big moment for me like I do kind of want to stress that like. I celebrate the small victories more than anything. Like, when I have a clean race, even if I'm in, like, 20th place, I'm coming across the finish line like I just won the Boston Marathon.
1: Exactly. Like,
0: you got to celebrate those those little victories when you can. But for me, like, obviously, that it just so happened that we podiumed, but that was a great thing for me and him was to get across that finish line. He got his podium. I got my redemption of just finishing. So it was
1: great. Heck, yeah, that's awesome. Well, I think I know what your answer is going to be for this one. Uh, what was your worst race and why?
0: <laughs> the Killington Ultra in 2016. And it's, it's funny that, you know, I've had both ends of the spectrum at Killington. I've had a DNF and I've had a podium. You know, uh, you, you, can't, you can't get much more opposite than that. But doesn't I, that
1: just I mean, make the comeback that much more yeah, awesome?
0: Yes, it absolutely does. And I learned a lot from that race. Um, and you know, that would be something that I would tell a newbie going into it too is, or afterwards, you know, let's say somebody DNFs is okay. So you didn't have the race result that you wanted to, but what did you learn from it? And that was my experience with Killings in 2016. I gave myself the rest of the day to be miserable and upset and angry and pissed at myself. And then the next day I sat down and on the way home on my phone, I made a list of what did I do wrong? Where did I start feeling bad. Where did I mentally lose it? Where did I physically lose it? What obstacles did I fail? What can I do to better myself? You know, use it as a learning experience because it's only going to make you a better racer in the future. Try not to walk away from it with a sour taste in your mouth. And you know, if you do kind of have a negative reaction where you're pissed um, about the way the race went, use it as fuel, but don't let it, you know, don't let it like fester and ruin that race for you. Because it's really easy to not finish a race and be like, I never want to come back here again. This place is stupid. I hate it. Learn from it. Take that anger. Use it in your training. Come back next year better. But yeah, I definitely let myself have a little bitch fit the day of because I was not happy about
1: it. (laughs) Oh, yeah. Well, I mean, we've all had a race like that. But the satisfaction that you got um, last year from completing that race was probably better than anybody else's finish because you overcome uh a dnf but not only overcome a dnf you overcome a dnf and made the podium yeah so i mean it's like you come back to that race the next year and bitch smacked it and that's awesome yeah and it was
0: it was a very very good feeling like I honestly can't even describe like I came Tyler's face he saw me at the second sandbag carry which was maybe a mile before the finish line and he just looked at me and he was like you're in second place and I was like I know don't talk about it (laughs) it. don't talk about it I just I
1: I gotta survive this and get to the finish line because towards the end of the race I definitely started hurting a little bit you know Um,
0: the bucket carry that bucket carry I put the I've never put down a bucket in my life until that loop last year on the second lap and you know, I was trying not to focus on it the whole time, no matter what happened. I wasn't thinking about the fact that I was in second place. I was literally just focusing on my goal of finishing. And again, anything above it's a bonus. Like, and it's That's crazy right. how
1: I was a good way to look at
0: it. The, yeah. I wasn't thinking about the podium. If it happened, it happened. If it didn't, it wasn't meant to be. But no matter what, I was finding the finish line. So I held on to that. And when he told me, I was like, I, I know, just don't say it. Don't,
1: say <laughs> it, don't, talk don't about jinx it. it. <laughs> Don't chase it. Well, Alex, that's awesome, and uh, I really enjoyed uh, your story uh, tonight. Uh, I'll see you in Killington. I'm running Elite, so I imagine we'll probably be starting at the same time, so I'll see you there.
0: 6 a.m., probably more like 6.20 a.m.,
1: because they never go off on time. (laughs) Exactly. So I'm out of questions. If there's anything you want to add? Uh, If
0: anybody has any other questions, the Spartan Ultra Beast Worldwide, it is smart and space, ultra space,
1: beast space, worldwide on Facebook. If you have any questions, it's a great free group.
0: Yes, I am a moderator of the group or an administrator, whatever it is. Uh, I'm going to be on there starting probably tomorrow because I have off work tomorrow. I'm going to be on there starting tomorrow. Yes. trying to calm the masses, break <laughs> down the chaos. So if anybody has any questions, feel free to ask. I'll be answering them. If you don't want to ask it on the group, you can also personal message me. You know, I'm listed as an administrator, so just find me on there. Don't be afraid to ask. Everybody's freaking out. Everybody's panicking. Ask the questions. Get the jitters out now.
1: That's right. Well, cool, Alex. Well, hey, I appreciate you talking to us, and uh, we'll see you in Killington.
0: Yes, absolutely. I'm super excited.
1: (laughs) All right, cool. Take it easy. You too. Bye.
0: right.
1: Hope you enjoyed the interview. I want to thank Alex again for taking the time to uh, talk to us. There's a lot of good info in that interview. And uh, she had some really inspiring words, too, and how we should act when we're on the course, and I thought that was really great. Uh, got a new review, and uh, I'm going to read it. The title is OCR Southern Comfort from Lotus Belly. She gave me five stars. Yes. It says, this podcast has been essential for my newbie OCR training. Scott gives a charming and informative interview with an intoxicating Southern delivery. If you could be a fly on the wall of two athletes talking shop, it would sound like this. No agro-masculinity BS here. Just a humble good guy chatting chatting with uh, notable men and women in the field doing the work. Thank you so much. That means a lot. I appreciate it when I get feedback from what I'm doing because, you know, sometimes it, 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 it can be a lot of work. at sometimes trying to schedule interviews, you know, and finding time to do it because it just seems like my schedule gets busier and busier. Um, I want to thank you and everybody else that's left a comment. I want to thank everybody that I always see at the races and they always come up to me and they say, hey, man, you're doing a good job with the podcast. Keep it up. I, I love hearing that. I love hearing the feedback. I mean, it, it's great. It makes me want to, you know, continue to do this and continue to find new ways to do this. But anyway, enough of me running my mouth. So I'm super pumped about going to Killington next week. And it's like Alex said, my goal is to finish, you know, and everything else is a bonus. And I think that's a great way to look at an ultra from anybody's point of view if they're planning on finishing one. Uh, Follow us on Facebook and Instagram. Leave us a review. I'll read it. I don't care if it's bad or good. I can take criticism. Hell, I hang around Michael Robertson half the time, and that's all he has. So, hopefully I'll see you in Killington next week. If not, we'll see you at the next race.
0: Peace!